Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Our study today, Science, Falsely So-Called. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and opposition of science falsely so-called. Human knowledge of both material and spiritual things is partial and imperfect. Therefore, many are unable to harmonize their views of science with scripture statements. Many accept mere theories and speculations as scientific facts, and they think that God's word is to be tested by the teachings of science falsely so-called. <clears throat> In other words, um, I'm sure you already know this. I, sorry, I don't mean to act like you don't, but um, they may come up with scientific theories, but if it doesn't agree with the Bible, then it's not really science, so it's falsely so-called. <clears throat> Men have endeavored to be wiser than their creator. <clears throat> Human philosophy it's attempted to search out and explain mysteries which will never be revealed through the eternal ages. So there's things that they've been trying to figure out. As an example, CERN, you know, they're trying to figure out how life was created. And they're trying to figure out because they don't want to believe in God. So if they can figure out how to make life, then they can show that there is no God, that everything was just evolution and whatever else that they're doing. Also worshiping, I think, Shiva or some god that they've got there. They've got some different ideas that are falsely so-called sciences. Things that will never be revealed through the eternal ages. To many, scientific research has become a curse. God has permitted a flood of light to be poured upon the world in discoveries in science and art, but even the greatest minds, if not guided by the word of God in their research, they become bewildered in their attempts to investigate the relations of science and revelation. I don't think we can zoom our mind out far enough in order to see the big picture of everything that God has created. All we have to look at is our little planet and what we can see through a telescope. But um, God is the foundation of everything. All true science is in harmony with his works. All true education leads to obedience to his government out of true respect and amazement. Science opens new wonders to our view. She soars high and explores new depths. But she brings nothing from her research that conflicts with divine revelation. Look at that personification made science into a she. She soars high. Hmm. Kind of makes you think about hell. I don't know if I should talk about it. Uh, the Spirit of God has been personified as well. Um, but let's just let that go for now. God is the author of science. Rightly understood, science and the written word agree. So that's rightly understood. And each sheds light on the other. Together they lead us to God by teaching us something of the wise and beneficent laws through which he works. Now isn't it wonderful that God has made laws because then we can have consistency 
and everything acts the same over and over and over again. We can come to understand how things work. So a knowledge of true science is power. But while the knowledge of science is power, the knowledge that Jesus came in person to impart is still greater power. The science of salvation is the most important science to be learned in our, this is where we are, preparatory school of earth. <laughs> the wisdom of Solomon is desirable, but the wisdom of Christ is far more desirable and more essential. So the science of salvation, the most important science to be learned. So I looked up the definition of science. I think we all have a comprehension of what it is, but the 1828 Webster's Dictionary says, and I just sort of uh, concentrated this, knowledge, comprehension, understanding of truth or facts by the mind. Two, a collection of general principles or leading truths relating to any subject. Three, precepts built on principles for any art or species of knowledge. So how should we go about understanding the science of salvation? Um, we could say it's the knowledge, comprehension, and understanding of precepts and principles of salvation. We can start by asking, why was it needed? And I think we're all pretty clear on how Adam and Eve disbelieved God and chose to believe Satan. They distrusted God and trusted Satan, and this caused disobedience. Because if they had believed God, they wouldn't have disobeyed him, right? They believed Satan, so they obeyed Satan, which was the evidence of their unbelief, was their actions of the sin. They chose another master, so God created a way to deliver them from that hard taskmaster, didn't he? To save us from unavoidable suffering and death because Satan as our master could not keep us alive or take care of us. He's not God. He was a created being. So we would have unavoidable suffering and death because of that and fulfill the requirements of the broken law, which could demand punishment, but it could not save. Then we would begin to study how, how could the demands of the law be fulfilled and honored whilst saving the life of the perpetrator. Not just saving the life, but also restoring the nature and the relationship to God, using the opportunity to educate all created life about what happened and why in such a way that God's goodness is revealed and Satan's lies made plain. Well, never breaking his own personal moral standards God never dropped his way of dealing at all to Satan's level, ever, through this whole process, which is one of the reasons I believe why it, it took so long. We couldn't just take care of it right now. It took time in order to reveal to people what Satan was all about, because sin had never existed before. People wouldn't have understood it. But restoring God's plan for the fallen race, he had a plan for us when he created planet Earth. For those who cooperate with his purposes and surrender to the process that's needed to correct our character flaws and to place the sins on the one who caused them and destroy sin and sinners humanely.
a permanent solution was needed. This just begins the path of study of the science of salvation. Just begins it. And this plan placed our race on a second probation, giving us another trial because Adam and Eve failed the first probation. They were still on probationary um, time or they wouldn't have had an opportunity to be saved, I don't think. Say, what if they had, uh, well, um, they wouldn't have been taken off probation uh, if they had, let's see, if they had not failed, they would have passed probation and then been placed on secure ground. They didn't pass probation because they failed. So we have another chance. So we're on probation, each one of us, when we're born. So let's see, first selected messages, page 308, has a couple paragraphs I want to share. It's um, chapter 46, A Divine Sin Bearer. This article appeared in the Signs of the Times of September 30, 1903. Through disobedience, Adam fell. The law of God had been broken. Divine government had been dishonored and justice demanded that the penalty of transgression be paid. To save the race from eternal death, the Son of God volunteered to bear the punishment of disobedience. Only by the humiliation of the Prince of Heaven could the dishonor be removed, justice be satisfied, and man be restored to that which he had forfeited by disobedience. There was no other way for an angel to come to this earth to pass over the ground where Adam stumbled and fell. It would not have sufficed. This could not have removed one stain of sin or brought to man one hour of probation. Christ, equal with God, the brightness of the Father's glory, the express image of his person, Hebrews 1, 3. He clothed his divinity with humanity. He came to this earth to suffer and die for sinners. The only begotten Son of God humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, by bearing in his body the curse of sin. He placed happiness and immortality within the reach of all. And because he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, he changed for us during during this probation time, second probation time. He changed death, eternal death, into sleep temporarily until this whole situation could be resolved and our second probation brought to a close. Alrighty, I found, close my little laptop here. Alright, um, found a promise, a couple of promises, as a matter of fact. I have a little book, Precious Bible Promises. I utilize it a lot. And there's a little chapter in here titled, The Need for Salvation. Romans 1, 18 and 21 tell us, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness. Why? Because of the cruelty to the innocent. That's why he has wrath. Because he has wrath against anyone suffering unnecessarily. And the perpetrator of that suffering. So I'll read it again. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Well, people do suppress the truth, don't they? 
Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's Romans 1, 18 and 21. So the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter 3, 9. God does not condemn you and me. He reaches out to help us. He has provided a way to restore us. But because of the virus of sin, we don't want to cooperate by nature. So we need Jesus to help us to be willing to cooperate so that we can be saved and changed back. So they have all gone out of the way. They have together become unprofitable. There's none who does good. No, not one. Yet Jesus still came to save us. Romans 3, 9-12 Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent, because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him, Jesus, the man whom he has ordained to judge, raised him from the dead, Acts seventeen thirty through 31 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 23 And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and not perceive. For the heart of these people has grown dull because of sin. Their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their heart and turn, so that I should heal them. Matthew thirteen fourteen through 15 For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans six twenty three. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Romans 2, 5 For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6-8 There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Proverbs fourteen twelve. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, and who set their mind on earthly things. Philippians three eighteen to 19 O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. Romans seven twenty four and 25. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Colossians 3, 5-6 through six. Let's close with prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you were willing to step into the gap and to give us another probation to humiliate yourself, to step down to our level and do nothing that we in this place could not have done. And give us an example 
and show us how to connect with you to have the victory over sin. You've given us a path back. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining me. I hope your day is blessed. It's the beginning of the science of salvation. It could be something to think about today. I'll see you in the morning.